Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Thank you all so much and uh, all that you do. Well, praise God. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word tonight, we're going to go to a couple of places. And um, of course, I've been in a series on understanding the fivefold ministry. In the last two weeks, we talked about the apostolic ministry and uh, the ministry of the apostle. And uh, hopefully you got something out of that. Um, I don't know if you did. I sure did. (laughs) But um, uh, tonight we're going to talk about the ministry gift of the prophetic, of the prophet. And we're going to introduce the prophet to you tonight, the ministry gift of the prophet from Jesus. And, uh, And I hope that, you know, you can write some of these scriptures down, remember them. Uh, because I'm going to share a couple of uh, definitions and, and define a little bit the prophet so that you have an understanding that when you see the gift of the prophet, when you see the operation of the prophet, that these things will come to memory and you'll memorize and, and remember that this is their office. It'll help you also to be able to uh, distinguish between a real prophet and a false prophet. And uh, we know that in the last days there will be false prophets. And so uh, the next two weeks we're going to talk about the prophet. I'm going to define the prophet tonight. And then next week we're going to talk a little bit more about their office and, um, and their, you know, how they operate. I want you to know this. Uh, all, of our, all of me and Laura's life and ministry, God has always surrounded us with incredible prophetic people that always had a voice in our life. And uh, they're strong prophetic words. I mean, strong prophetic words. And when I first got saved, well, when I first got saved and after we first got married, um, there was a prophet that was in our life. His name was um, um, uh, uh, Robert Summers. And I don't know if you know who Robert Summers is. I had him here one time when we first when I first came here. Uh, His name, Bob Summers. He lives in he actually lives in Houston or just outside Dallas, and uh, he's been here a couple of times, but he had always ministered to our, our lives and always ministered into our lives, and um, uh, he always had a fresh word for us, and uh, you know, there, you, there are some people that you build relationships with or you draw close to, and they have a prophetic anointing on their life, and it just seems like that prophetic anointing uh, spills out uh, over over our lives, and so um, it's, it's been a, it's a powerful thing. And over the years we've connected with, uh, you know, uh, the prophetic, we were in a meeting one time and a prophet that was, that was a friend of pastor Keith's, uh, he prophesied over us. He prayed in tongues over us for, I, I bet it felt like five minutes before he prophesied and, uh, he spoke in tongues over us. And so uh, and then he prophesied and it was it was a, just a real encouraging word. We had only been married for one month for one month. And uh, and so uh, after the service, there was a gentleman that was in the service that had worked at Turfway Park. He was a he was a German uh, a horse. He wasn't a jockey, but he trained horses. He rode them and and uh, um, and and uh, his name was Sergio. That was his name. And after the service, he ran up to us. He said, that's interesting. He said, that guy, when he was speaking in tongues over you, he was speaking perfect German. And he said, I understood exactly what he said. And, uh, and so he proceeded to tell us what he had spoken in tongues over us. He said it was perfect German, as if he, as if he spoke it fluently. And, isn't that powerful? And, uh, and he began to share with us what, what he had spoken. I believe God set that up. I believe that was God's hand. And uh, the word was so powerful to us, we couldn't even believe that the word, that that word was so powerful. But what happened was every bit of that came to pass. And so his name was Max Grunfield. He he had a huge, huge impact in in our life. And so um, God is good. Well, if you have your copy of God's word, let's turn to our anchor scripture. And I want to read that tonight. And then I want to read another verse of scripture to you. Found in um, found in First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. But let's go to Ephesians chapter four and verse eleven as our anchor scripture. We're going to look at a couple of passages tonight, and um, 
uh, in verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, as I took a look at that passage again this week, just as a deeper study, it's interesting because um, there is a there is what's called in the Greek uh, what is called the emphatic, and uh, and so the emphasis on the emphatic is is on some, and so when you see something in the Greek that's in the emphatic, it means that it's it's a sure thing, but the the word there that translates some is indeed. And, and so as you read that, he gave some indeed apostles, some prophets indeed, some evangelists indeed, some pastors and some teachers indeed. It's, emph- it's emphatic. It means that there's no, it is it's as if it's set in stone. There's no change or no option or no uh, variant there. That's how strong the language that is used there by the Apostle Paul. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read a verse of scripture that had always been um, kind of interesting for me. At the end of service today, I'm going to share something with you. And um, um, I'm going to turn the live stream off because I'm going to be, you know, very intimate as a church. And so there's some things that, that only needs to be known by us. And so... Um, In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28, it said, And God has appointed these in the church. Right? Is that what it says? It says that, right? It says these in the church. God has appointed these in the church. And it said, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. And then it goes on, Paul begins to say, is, all, is, all, is everyone an apostle? Is everyone a prophet? No. But the emphasis is here. This is, this is what spoke to me. If God set it in, we don't have the right to take it out. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? Right? If God put it in there, we don't have a right to remove it. We don't have a right to take it out. We don't have a right to dismiss it. We don't have the right to take it away. And so the emphasis on the apostle, prophet, and teacher is that when those things are functioning, you see the variety of things that begin to flow. There's miracles that flow, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. And so what it's saying is, Paul is putting an emphasis on these gifts. And he's saying when these gifts are flowing, then you begin to see the manifestation of what's after. After that. After that means after something has been been set or something has been put in right place. So after that, after, after you have set the apostle and the prophet and the teacher, after that comes these things. And so it's a strong word, but I truly believe that there is, we begin to see these manifestations. If we get the ministry gifts right in the body of Christ, we'll begin to see incredible manifestations begin to happen. And I thank God that we're we're seeing them. We're beginning to see them. And so praise God. Hallelujah. I want to see more. (laughs) There's much more to come. And so let's talk a little bit tonight about the prophet. You know, uh, I did not know this until um, recently. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever been to Israel here, but um, if you've been to the Mount of Olives, when you guys went to Israel, did you go to the Mount of Olives? Did you guys visit the tombs of the prophets? Uh, The tombs of the prophets? Underneath the Mount of Olives, there's an interesting uh, thing. There is what's called the tombs of the prophets. And 2,500 years ago, of course, uh, they had buried uh, some of the prophets under the Mount of Olives. And so 
Zechariah was buried there. Haggai, Malachi was buried there. And they, and they buried these prophets there because the reason they did was because Zechariah had prophesied that when the Lord returned, he would return on the Mount of Olives. And so the prophets, the prophets and their uh, uh, subjects or, or those who were understudies were buried underneath the Mount of Olives. There's, a, there's actual catacombs that you can walk in. This is, the, this is the entrance to that tomb. You see those openings. And that is where many of the, 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 the understudy prophets were buried. Those that were subjects of Malachi and Zechariah. And then uh, we, I think I, have, I put a picture of, uh, of uh, Zechariah's tomb up there. Uh, his tomb is not there anymore. Uh, that's going down into further deeper into it. Um, but there is a... There is a tomb of Zechariah. Uh, that's one of the prophets. Um, there used to be an inscription there. They used to be buried. They're not buried there now. Uh, they've, been buried, they've been moved to a different, different location. Uh, but uh, that's the entrance to Zechariah's tomb at the bottom of those steps and to the right. You follow that down there and, and that takes you into where uh, he was buried. And so these, these prophets... Zechariah, they served as prophet for 500 years before Christ. And, um, and so they prophesied. And so we're still waiting for the fulfillment of some of those prophecies to come. Uh, when the Lord returns, some of that will be fulfilled and some of that will be fulfilled. And so as important as the prophets were in the Old Testament, they are equally important in the New Testament. But we have to understand their role. Then and now, it's vital to understand the fivefold ministry gifts that Jesus gives to the church. And as we read there as our anchor verse uh, many times. And so just as there are present day apostles, there are also present day prophets. And we need to understand and welcome their ministry so we can receive the expression of Christ into our lives. Fivefold ministry is an expression of Christ. They're the gifts of Christ. They're what Christ gives to the church. And he, and he gives them to the church for the equipping of the church. But their gifting is an expression of Christ into our lives. And they're, they're to be representative of the anointing of Jesus on our lives. And so the ministry of the prophets in the, um, that Christ gave to the church Prophets speak on behalf of God and bring a measure of Jesus to us that we would not have otherwise. I, I wonder sometimes what people are missing out on when they don't recognize and they don't, they don't adhere to the gift of the prophet in the body of Christ. So much is missed. There's so much that God would want to do in people's lives, but they miss out because of either unbelief or because they don't believe those ministry gifts exist now. But I'm here to tell you the ministry of the apostle and prophet is very vital in the body of Christ today. We know that. I'm not telling you anything that you didn't know. As I told you last week, um, when you study the life of Jesus, you'll clearly see that he stood in all five ministry gifts. He stood as an apostle, evangelist, a pastor, teacher, and prophet. And although the Old Test, although all throughout the Old Testament, there were prophets of God, there were major prophets, there were minor prophets, many prophets that are uh, virtually unknown. But, you know, you can look through and, and find that there are over 700 prophets in the Old Testament. Isn't that powerful? 700. And we, we know some, some you may not think was, was, was apostolic or prophetic. Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, um, uh, and then all of, the, all, all, all of the major prophets, Daniel, Ezekiel, um, you know, all the major prophets. And then there's the, you know, the minor prophets, Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, Obadiah, you know, and so Nahum, Obed, Obeded. Zephaniah, all these are minor prophets that we have read about and heard about. And uh, what I thought was interesting as I began to study the prophets that 
As you go through the book of Genesis, you will see uh, an emphasis that even Adam was a prophet, was considered a prophet in the Old Testament. Adam, that God created. Because Adam is the one that did what? What did he do? He named all the animals, right? And so he prophetically named them. He had to have some type of prophetic insight into their nature and what they were in order to name them according to who they were. And so it's a powerful thing. What I think is also interesting about the Old Testament prophets is that, you know, even though it was a longer span of the prophetic in the Old Testament than in the New Testament, what I thought was interesting is that there were groups of prophets. There were prophets that were in group and God would speak to them as a group. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the spirit that was on Moses, the prophetic spirit that was on Moses, God took it off of Moses and put it on the 70. And the 70 began to prophesy, the scripture said. And so God took that prophetic anointing off of Moses, put it on the group of the 70 that Moses had put in charge over the children of Israel. And that prophetic anointing came on them and was on them. And so there were many groups in the Old Testament. There was the school of the prophets that Elisha and Elijah were connected to. There were many groups of the prophetic. Matter of fact, I believe there was a, a group of prophets that Saul had appointed and had, had, had appointed. So it's interesting. It, the interesting thing, the word prophet was a term that was generally used by all religions to describe any person who served as a voice for the spiritual realm or the spirit realm. For example, there were pagan prophets. There were pagan prophets of Baal, um, which Elijah encountered and defeated on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, there were the prophets of God that heard and spoke his message to his people. Again, uh, they, they were active in the Old Testament at times and there were still prophets today that are speaking God's voice. Now, to bring an understanding to the prophetic and the power of the prophet in the New Testament, we have to break down the word prophet. It is a powerful word. I did not know this. And as I began studying this, I began to see, I knew an aspect of it, but when I began to break this word down, the word prophet for, for the prophet, uh, I began to see that this is powerful. This is powerful. So we're going to take the word prophet and we're going to look at it tonight. And the word prophet is translated, is a translation of the Greek word uh, prophetes, which P-R-O-H-E-T-T-E-S. It's the Greek word and it's a compound Greek word, um, which is the word pro, P-R-O, and the word femi, P-H-E-M-I. The word pro is used in connection with the, with the other word uh, uh, femi. The word femi means this. It means to speak or to say. So the second part of the word prophet is femi. It means to say or to speak. And so that's the office of the prophet is to say and to speak and to speak of. And so which always means to uh, the word femi lets us know that this is a speaking gift. It is a saying gift. The word pro, the first part of the word prophet, adds a wide variety of meaning in the Greek uh, that are all critical to understanding the role of the prophet. There are, here are four specific ways the Greek word pro can be translated. And this helps us understand the prophetic ministry. It helps us understand... Uh, a lot about the prophetic ministry. So when you see a prophet that is prophesying or calls people out and gives them words, you'll have an understanding of what is behind the term prophet. This is what they step into. This is what a prophet steps into. This is the office of a prophet. This is how they operate. This is how they flow. This is what they're called to do. This is what prophets are called to do. And so uh, I want us to look at these. I want us to look at these. Uh, tonight. First of all, the Greek word pro means this word before. It can describe a prophet's position before God. It has a root meaning of the word before. 
before the presence of God. A prophet listens with an open heart to whatever the Spirit of God would say to him. But the word femi, the second part of the word, uh, prophetis, shows that the prophet does more than listen. He listens and he speaks, conversing and communicating before the face of God. The prophet lingers in God's presence to receive clarification. In other words, this word before means before God. The prophet will set before God to hear the voice of God, to hear a vision, to hear a revelation of God, to get the uh, word from God, to communicate. The prophet lingers in God's presence to receive clarification, making sure he understands the message God is speaking. This is the primary role of the prophet's responsibility. So speaking and conversing before God is a requirement of him to fulfill his task. Many, many think that a prophet prophesies spontaneously. Now that happens. I mean, the prophet does have the ability to spontaneously speak or spontaneously prophesy. But in fact, if he speaks, he is able to speak because he has spent time before the presence of God. He first speaks God's message before God to make sure he knows his heart and his message. So the key role of the prophet is before God. True prophets know how to spend time with God. The true prophetic ministry can hear the voice of God, can hear the heartbeat of God, can hear what God is saying in this hour and in this moment. But you just don't get up and say, well, I'm going to be a prophet today. And all of a sudden you get this download from heaven. Y'all with me? Because it's like any other ministry gift. You have to get before God. You have to hear God's voice. You have to hear what God is saying. You have to hear what, you know, what the voice of, of what God wants to say in this hour, in this generation. I mean, as a pastor... What would I be if I didn't pray and get the word of the Lord for a congregation? I mean, what if I just, I have a friend and uh, I won't tell you what denomination he's in, but they send him his messages. They send him his messages. He gets at the beginning of the year, he gets a big book and it covers every week of the year what he's supposed to preach. <laughs> I'm telling you, and, and in order to stay in his denomination and keep his license, he has to preach that. They give him the outline, they give him the scripture, they give him the scripture responses. You know, it's, a, uh, it's kind of a formal church, so they have scriptural responses and, and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and he has to every year. That's what he gets. He doesn't, get, he doesn't have to get before God and find out what God is saying. Somebody's already done that for him. I'm just telling y'all, I couldn't preach like that. And, and if I had to, I'd mess it all up anyway. Because <laughs> I couldn't follow it. And I probably wouldn't get halfway through it anyway, even if I had to do it. But this word before is interesting. Although most think the prophet's ability to prophesy, this is a secondary to the prophet's primary function. The prophet... The prophet's foremost task is to be in the presence of God and listen and hear to his message clearly. He is humbling himself and lingering to clearly hear what the voice of God is saying. Because the word prophet can be translated to speak before, it means foremost a prophet is to be before the Lord and to be speaking before him. This pictures those moments when a prophet humbles himself before the Lord and, and becomes sensitized in his heart to the Lord's will and his voice. And as you will see, a prophet is like, it's like a sailboat. You know, the prophet puts up the sail and he listens for the wind of the Spirit and how it's blowing. And how the wind of the Spirit is, he listens to God and he gets the word from God and he allows that wind of the Spirit to take him in the direction that he should go. That's how a prophet should be, always be before God. If men don't pray, how can they know what God is saying in this hour? If men don't get before God, how can they know? 
You know, uh, there was another prophet that was big in our lives, and me personally. Um, I remember one time that uh, I was out to eat with him, and, uh, and he said, hey, I have a word for you. And he began to rattle off this prophetic word, and he began to say things and began to speak things to me that were true. He began to call out life experiences of the past, and he began to put his finger on sensitive issues in my life that were sensitive but yet encouraging. And, uh, and his name was Leon Price. He, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. He's buried in a cemetery in Dallas, Texas that's called the Cemetery of the Prophets. Did you know that? There's a cemetery of the prophets in Dallas, Texas. And uh, he's buried there. His name was Leon Price. And several times he spoke over my life. Every time I'd seen, he always had a word for me. And he was one of the... But here's the thing. He prayed seven or eight hours a day. Leon did. Seven or eight hours a day he laid before God. Now somebody that lays that long before God... I think I can believe what they say. I believe they could get the word of God. I believe they could get a word from God after seven or eight hours of laying before God. So the word pro and the word uh, prophetess means, it means to be before. It means to be before God. It means to be before God. Number two, the second meaning of the word pro means in front of. It describes as a prophet's position in front of people. Now we know that the word means to speak. It's a speaking gift. And so you have to be, it it has to be in front of people. The divine insight he receives from God are not for him. He is to impart them to those God asked him to stand in front of. He becomes a voice or a mouthpiece of God. And when the, and the, when the, the word pro, the compound word uh, and femi, which means to speak, It means the prophet is called to public ministry in front of people. A prophet is someone who's before. He is in front of people. He prophesies in front of people. But he speaks speaks, um, in front of what he has heard when he's before God. So he speaks in in front of, and and that's what I love about uh, Brother Harkey, you know, We've had Brother Harkey through here for years. How many enjoyed his meeting the last time he was here? Wasn't it just amazing how he just speaks into this body? God has allowed him to do that, you know? But, you know, before he came this last time, and uh, um, I, I called him and, and I said, Brother Harkey, I just feel like you need to come. He said, I was just praying for you and your church this morning. You know? So... He had been before God. He had been before him. And then he came and was in front of us. And he spoke with the Lord. I'm telling you, that was one of the best messages I have ever heard. Just a powerful message. I mean, we'll never forget it, right? I mean, who wants to be thrown overboard, right? I mean, I want to be thrown overboard. I, I may just go down on the Ohio River this summer and just let somebody throw me in the river just to say I was thrown overboard. I mean, what a powerful word. We'll never forget that. But he told me God spoke to him and told me that he had a word for us. He wasn't just coming, just to come. I mean, he broke his, he broke his schedule. He came all the way from the West Coast. Y'all know how hard that is to go through time zones like that? You know, he'd come from a six-hour time zone and then he was going, after one day, he was going back into another three-hour time zone, you know? But he came because he had a word for us, and he presented it before us, because he had been before God. Hallelujah. Thank God for prophets that lay before God, that are before the God. And once he heard and understand the message of God's heart, the prophet moves from the solitary place to the public stand in front. And begins to speak. And his job is to give the message of God. That God has have authorized him to deliver. And nothing more. And, and, and he delivers what he's heard. He delivers what he heard. 
I, uh, uh, Rick Curry was telling me about having the opportunity to be in Washington, D.C. Uh, when they had that big rally uh, that was called the return. Y'all remember that? And, uh, you know, I listened. I mean, guys got up and shared and guys got up and shared and, and it was all great. It was all good, what everybody shared. But there was one voice out of that whole meeting that caught my attention and stirred my heart. And I don't know if you heard what Kent Christmas prayed that day, but he got up and, uh, and Rick said, uh, I had never met Kent Christmas. He said, but I had gone before him and spoke before him. He said, but as I was going up to speak and getting ready to speak, I looked over and there he was sitting in the corner of a tent with a chair at the tent pole in the corner. Like he was being punished. You know how you put kids in the corner? <laughs> and he was there and he was praying and praying and praying before God. And uh, he said, I knew that was him. And when his time came, he got up there. And, and I said, I, I'll tell you, Rick, of all the prayers I remember, that is the one I remember, the prophecy of what Kent Christmas. You need to go back and listen to that. Uh, the return, Kent Christmas's prayer at the return. It is a powerful word for America. And it was very prophetic. It was very prophetic and powerful. Of course, he is prophetic. But it comes out of that desire of laying before God and getting that word from God and then coming in front of the people, to stand in front of the people and speak God's message. This is, this is what prophetic ministry is. This is what prophetic ministry is and this is what prophetic ministry does. So the word pro, pro hemi, which is the Greek word for prophet, means to be before God. It means to be then before the people. And then number three, the Greek word, it means on behalf of. It can describe the prophet's responsibility to speak on behalf of the Lord. I think about this. Prophets have to have restraint. Y'all know that? Because the prophetic people, it would be very easy to get in pride. And to just speak what you want, what you feel, or what you want to speak. And so the prophet is defined by someone who speaks on behalf of the Lord. The word pro can mean on behalf uh, of. It underscores that the prophet does not speak on his own behalf or on behalf of any other human being or organization. His job is to speak. Uh, the Greek word hemi, to say, to speak. He does not have the right to speak anyone else's views or commentaries, but he has, he is, he has to interpret uh, on the divine matter. He is to speak on behalf of the Lord and accurately represent his message. He is to be clear channel with a clear message. And because he has humbled himself and caught the wind of the spirit, he speaks and he will speak with a great anointing and supernatural confirmation. And so he can't just speak his words. The prophetic anointing doesn't allow you just to, you know, to speak your words. I'm going to tell this story because it's one of the great prophetic stories that I've ever been involved in. And if I have my, my pastor friend here to preach, I will. He's a Baptist, but I'll have him here to preach some Sunday. You guys will love him. He's a great soul winner. He has a great church. Um, he has a church, this is amazing, he has a church where almost everybody in his congregation, he's one to the Lord. He has like 400 people in his church, and almost every one of them, he has personally won to Christ. That's powerful, y'all. He don't have a bunch of church hoppers. He, he's got people that he has gone out and won to Jesus. He's won them at his job before he started pastoring. He's won them in, in church. He's won them in the neighborhood. He's won his neighbors. He's won his family. He's won people he's worked with and known for years. He's even won old high school buddies and friends. He's won to the Lord. And so um, the first ministry job I had, I worked under him. And, uh, and so he gave me my first ministry position. And, you know, God help him, <laughs> you know. That may have been one he missed, I don't know. But, uh, but he came to visit one time, and um, 
there was a couple that was ministering um, at my home church. And I said, hey, I said, let's go to this meeting tonight. This couple has a real prophetic gift. He said, man, don't you realize that the prophet has died? There is no prophetic word. I told him, I said, I said, Curtis, I believe in the prophetic. I said, I believe if you come tonight, God will have a word for you. He's like, okay, let's, okay, all right, all right. And so, you know, the service starts, and I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but the place goes bananas. And, uh, and so he's already uncomfortable because he's used to piety and, and you know, just, you all know what I'm talking about. If you've not come from charismatic background, then you might struggle with some of the things that go on in the charismatic church. So everything was going on. And so the night went on and, and this couple had a real powerful anointing and they began to pray for everybody. And the service was almost over. He said, let's go. He said, I'm done with this. And he's like, they would prophesy over somebody and he'd say, oh, where they get that at? Like, you know, so it was almost kind of like a, not like a, it was a little bit like mocking, but he just was like, it was more of an unbelief thing. So he says, let's go. He says, I'm hungry. Let's go. So we get up to go and we get to the back door and he had, I had introduced him to the couple at the beginning of the service uh, in the, in the hospitality room. And, uh, and we get to the back door and the couple says, Hey, where's that Baptist preacher at? <laughs> and we were just getting ready to walk right out the door. And we I was like, he's right here. And they say, bring him up here. And so <laughs> this is a true story, y'all. And so he comes up and, and, and they say, is it okay if we give you a word, if we prophesy over you? And he said, uh, yeah, 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 go ahead. Give your, he mumbled, he like, give your best shot, you know, kind of thing. And so they pray and there's this long silence that was going on. Just, it was just a long silence. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what are they going to say? And then the wife says to him, she says, this is what I get in the spirit. I keep hearing this song, Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? Does that mean anything to you? He's like, no, don't mean a thing. She says, I feel it strongly. It's that nursery rhyme, Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? And, and then the end of the prophecy was, they, they gave him a, a few words of, of encouragement, then they said, God, as a pastor, is going to give you a love for people that are hard to love. And, uh, and, and so, you know, he's like, that's fine. That'd, that'd be good. I, I received that. And so we left there and we get in the car and I'm taking him back over to the hotel he's staying in. And he's like, that was the craziest thing I ever heard. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow? Now, how is that a prophetic word? He says, that don't even make sense. You give, you know, I mean, who gives a nursery rhyme? And uh, so he was all up in arms. So we get back to his hotel and uh, he had a voicemail on his message machine. He had his lady in his church uh, who had lost her husband a couple years earlier and uh, she was a widow and, you know, she was real distraught. It took her a while. She fought depression. She fought a lot of things. And so... He gets this voicemail. We're on the elevator. This is a true story. We're on the elevator and he hits the voicemail and he listens to it and his eyes get like huge, huge. He said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, listen to this voicemail. And it was a voicemail from his, this lady in his church whom he, you know, he visit. he had gone and vi he goes and visits her each week and, you know, she's pretty needy and he's just like, you know, I've got to do everything for her. She don't have any children. And, you know, so he's had to do labor and, you know, which he, which he don't mind to do. But she's always calling him, always calling him. And so the voicemail, he plays the voicemail and it goes like this. She's like, hey, Curtis, this is Mary. You know me, Mary, Mary, quite contrary. <laughs> How does my garden grow? She says the nursery rhyme. She says the nursery rhyme. And so, you know, prophets have a responsibility 
to speak what they hear and hear and what they hear. And sometimes it may not make sense to everybody around them, but I'm here to tell you that if they speak the voice of God, that God will, God, God is faithful to, God is faithful. And, and so he's never questioned the prophetic ever again, Hallelujah. ever again. Hallelujah. And, uh, and so, I mean, he, he I mean, he want, he wants to learn, he, he's always wanted to learn more about it, you know? And, uh, and so, but anyway, that was just a great story that, you know, that God had used. And so in his life, and so. The word before, to be and on behalf of, to be before and to speak on behalf of. And so number four, the Greek word pro means in advance. It means in advance. It carries with the sense of a predictive ability and can be translated as one who speaks in advance. The gift of the prophet has the ability to speak in advance or to speak predictably in some ways. And so it's interesting. And so uh, let me give you, um, sometimes the prophet can speak the foretelling of events to come is clearly seen in both the Old and New Testament. Perhaps this is a, it's best illustrated. And let me take you to a passage of scripture. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 11. The book of Acts chapter 11 and verses uh, 27 and 28. Acts chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. I want to show you that this, how the predictability or the advance of a prophet that has the ability to speak in advance. In other words, to give us a word that can either be a word of warning or caution. It could be a word that we can, you know, uh, hold on to as a promise. And so look what happens here in Acts 11, 27, 28. It said, in these days came, the prophet, came prophets from Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a darth or a famine, some translations say a famine, throughout all of the world, which came to pass during the days of Claudius Caesar, which was true. Now, I want to draw your attention to the word signify. Notice the word signify. In the Greek, it is the word simiano, and it means this, to signify, to give a sign, to give an alert. And so it describes the foretelling of a coming event, and in this case, it was an advance notice that a darth or a famine was coming throughout the world and was coming. This message Agabus gave was by the Spirit, the Scripture said. He gave it by the Spirit. And the word by there in the Greek is interesting because the word means through, through the instrumentality of. In other words, by the Spirit. Through the instrument of the Spirit, Agabus was able to prophesy uh, about the famine that was to come and, and to warn. Uh, and so... But he used by the, by the instrument of the Holy Spirit. He had not been before the Lord. And uh, had he not been before the Lord in his presence, he would have had nothing to speak on the Lord's behalf. So the importance of him being before the Lord, when he got to this moment, then God gave him a word of advance in advance for uh, the Apostle Paul. And so we see again in Acts, we don't have to turn there, but in Acts 21.10, the prophet Agabus shows up a second time. The Bible says, and as, and as we tarry there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he, when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews in Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him unto the hands of the Gentiles. Once again, Agabus prophesied something in the future, in advance. There was the, by the instrument of the Holy Spirit, he prophesied something that was in advance or that he had saw the predictive, he had that predictive ability to prophesy. And of course, what happened was, is that he actually, Paul was taken in Jerusalem. He was taken and, and, and what he said did come about. 
And so he did prophesy in, in, in advance. And so, and so those are the four meanings of that word pro uh, in the word prophet. Um, and so that's, that explains the range of the office of the prophet, how the prophet operates. He has to be before God. He goes before God. He hears what God is saying in this hour. He puts up the spiritual sail and waits for the wind of the Spirit to speak to him. And then he goes before the people because the gift of the prophet is a speaking gift. He speaks what he hears from the Lord. He speaks the word that he gets from God and he releases that word. And then he speaks not on behalf of himself, but upon behalf of God. And then not only does he speak on behalf of God, but he also speaks in advance. He's able to be predictive in somewhat of you know, his prophesying and his giving. Listen, I believe, and well, I don't just believe, I know. I know there are people in this congregation that have prophetic gifts. I know it. I've watched them and I've seen how God has moved in their life and I've watched the prophetic gift come on them and be on them. And one of the things we have to do as a body is we have to steward that. We have to encourage that. We have to release that into this body. And so that's why the importance of the fivefold ministry and understanding it so that if I, if I grab somebody someday and I say, do you have a word for him or her? And they begin to prophesy, you will know that, you know, I mean, of course, some of you have come to me and have had prophetic words and, and they have been right on. They've been exactly what, what the Lord has spoken. And, and so I'm very in tune with it. I'm very in tune with that gift. I believe there's apostolic giftings in this house. I know there are because I know some of you and I know that you are. And so Agabus being an example of a New Testament prophet, um, we see, but you say, well, what about false prophets? What about false prophets? Well, if there's something that is real, you can rest assured that the enemy will manufacture a counterfeit. Right? Y'all hear what I'm saying? I mean, there are, there are false, false prophets. And, uh, and, and the same is true for apostles. For evangelists, for pastors and teachers, there's false apostles, there's false pastors, there's false teachers. Y'all hearing me? There's false evangelists. I mean, there are, there are counterfeits to it all. And they're out there. And, uh, you know, but we can't be so concerned about being duped by false prophets and false apostles and evangelists that we just dismiss the real thing. Just because we know that there's some false ones out there, right? We know that there may be and that there are. I mean, they could even get in among us at times. But think about it. Somewhere in society, there's a counterfeit money floating around, right? I mean, I, I had a counterfeit $20 bill one time that I tried to deposit at the bank. <laughs> Well, it didn't go well, no. I, uh, I had to, I got interviewed and I got talked to and I had to sign a paper and, and, you know, I was told that the FBI may stop by to see me and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't get my $20. I lost it. They, they confiscated it, right? But just because I had a counterfeit dollar bill or a counterfeit $20 bill doesn't mean that I stopped taking money. Right? And just because there's false prophets and there's false apostles doesn't mean that the body of Christ stops doing what the church has been called to do. And so we have to continue to believe that, you know, the prophet in our lives uh, is a divine portal into the wisdom of God. And if we are open, uh, we can, we can be a great gift of insight and, and direction into our lives. The, prop, the prophetic word has been a huge instrument into this body and this church. I'm just telling you right now, 
The prophet has spoken into this body in a powerful way. I can't tell you how many people are in this congregation that the prophetic word has had a huge impact in their life. And I thank God for all the prophetic words that are out there that haven't come to pass yet because I know that they will come to pass and we'll rejoice when they do because the power of the prophetic. And so to give you a definition of the word prophet and what it means and the operation of the prophet and where they stand, I want to introduce that to you tonight. But I want to do something here um, and... And I've not done this before, but I feel like I need to do it tonight uh, because I feel like I need to help set the course and direction of vision in our church. And uh, you know, I've I've stated it many times, Uh, you know, and over the years I've stated it. I've even been criticized for it. I've even had to handle questions about it. And uh, but the truth is, is we are a fivefold ministry church. We believe in the apostle and the prophet. We believe in all the fivefold ministry gifts. We don't just believe in it. We, we undergird it. We preach it. We teach it. And we believe that God is going to raise those ministry gifts even up out of this body and minister to the body. I believe that. And so we're a fivefold ministry church. We're always going to honor that gifting. Let me tell you something the church has lost the ability to do. It's the ability to honor, it's the ability to honor the giftings that God has, has given the church. We've lost how to honor that in people's lives. We've lost how to honor the apostolic and the prophetic. We've lost how to honor, you know, those ministry gifts. Because when you honor them, there's a, there's, a, there's a blessing that comes on us when we honor those ministry gifts and we give them a place to speak into our lives. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.